welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 214th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 713th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of May 27th, 2021. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday morning when Coach Woodson met with the media. There's a lot of good basketball discussion in that media availability, but there's really a bigger issue, and that is that Coach Woodson seems very comfortable in his role as the head coach at Indiana. This is something that has not been, or that has been a miss for far too many years. When Coach was asked by Greg Doyle, quote, why are you doing this, end quote, Coach's answer was basically, it's part of the job. Uh, maybe this could be interpreted in different ways, but to me it shows that Coach is aware that the media, the fans, and the community appreciate knowing what's going on with Indiana basketball. The idea that Coach is aware and comfortable in sharing information is a good change. Yes, this is the honeymoon phase, and we have yet to see a Coach Woodson team play on the court, but it seems like we have a leader who is not phased by the enormity of the position. We have a leader who is willing to take charge and do things the way he wants to do it and is proud of what he uh, is doing and doesn't mind sharing. We can only hope this leads to great success on the court. Okay, let me introduce uh, my esteemed co-host for tonight with Andy and Jared off tonight. My co-host for this evening will be all too happy to fill the empty airtime with his own rumors, rants, and hot takes. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. It's the one and only Ryan Phillips back from vacation. Ryan, do you have an opening rant for us this evening? Yeah, I think, and, and this isn't necessarily IU sports or IU basketball related, but I think it's tangentially related to just being a fan. And and let me just say what we saw last night in the NBA playoffs, Russell Westbrook getting popcorn dumped on him, an entire crowd of people telling Trey Young what he could go do to himself, uh, and Trey Young getting spit at by a fan. Let me just sort of say, if you're going to throw something on a court or at a player, if you're going to spit a bodily fluid out of your mouth at a player, if you're going to yell something that's vulgar, racially insensitive, or otherwise at a player, uh, don't. Don't. And the reason why is not because, you know, I'm trying to police your fandom. It's because it ruins it for everybody else there when the game has to stop. When, I mean, first of all, it's indecent and it's awful and it's ridiculous. And you're a clown for doing that. But at the same time, it's it ruins the experience for everyone else because they got to stop the game and they got to yell at the fans and tell the fans. And it ruins it for the thousands of other people who are just there to cheer on their team or you know, whatever. I, I I just think that it's amazing that we spent 15 months inside and away from sporting events and we've come back and now people don't know how to act. I mean, what we saw at that Knicks game last night was ridiculous. And what you've seen at baseball games where fans are brawling with each other 
almost every night now. I know because at the big lead, we're writing about it, and a lot of you are clicking on those posts. So thank you very much. But it's happening every night. There's fights in the stands. There's Just watch the game. Watch the game. Cheer for your team. Have fun. You want to do a small chant about another team, about the other team or play? Fine. But you don't need to drop f bombs and you don't need to you know say questionable things about them there's a there's a line of decency that has been beyond crossed over the last week and so i would just say to everybody go to a game to have fun not to be a jerk and 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 i would have much stronger language if if i wouldn't get yelled at by by uh, jared morris for this but uh so yeah just you know let's be happy we're back in arenas uh Welcome opposing fans. You can cheer for opposing teams. You can chant at their players, whatever. But like, we're all kind of should be all really happy that we got to go back to games now and not in the stands fighting with each other and screaming at players and all that stuff. Just enjoy the fact that we get to go back to sporting events now. That's all I got to say. Well said. Well said. And and here's what we're going to cover this week. Some Hoosier headlines, including updated recruiting rankings for Indiana's class of 2022 targets. Main topic uh, in the second segment, Mike Woodson met with the media this week. Uh, let's break down what we learned, and then uh, we'll end uh, by answering all your questions. All that coming up uh, on Assembly Call Radio. Okay, we have a new sponsor here on the Assembly Call, which means that it's time for us to talk about balls. No, not basketballs, our balls. And I know what you're thinking. Coach, I don't want to hear about your balls. Well, to quote the great Coach Boone from Remember the Titans, this is no democracy. It's a dictatorship. I am the law, so we're going to talk about balls. Gentlemen, spring is here and summer is fast approaching. You and I both know how sweaty and swampy things can get down there when the temperature rises. This is why a product like the Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is so useful. Because when your boys down there are popping their collars a little too high, they need a trim. And the Lawnmower 4.0 is the way to do it. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredible comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Plus wireless charging and a 4000K LED spotlight when you need it for a more precise shave. A couple weeks ago when Jared told us Manscaped wanted to sponsor the show, I wasn't sure how I was going to use the lawnmower 4.0 chest back balls wasn't sure not really sure i want to share with you how i'm using the lawnmower 4.0 but i'm hearing this a lot more recently around the house from mrs tonsoni catch me if you can coach t well anyway here's the bottom line father's day is coming up and this is a great gift for dads and sons everywhere over two million men worldwide are already manscaped and we have this exclusive offer for you get 20 percent off the and free worldwide shipping with the code AC at manscaped.com. That's promo code AC at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls or the balls of someone you love will thank you. And we survived. Coach, A+. Way to go, buddy. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Lawnmower 4.0, go out and get yourself one. 
But here's what we're going to talk about uh, now. We're talking about the Hoosier uh, headlines recruiting-wise. Tamar Bates was named to the uh, 2021 Jordan Brand Classic roster, one of seven Big Ten players to make it. C.J. Gunn rankings uh, 247, has him at 104th rival, so has him as 149th. Uh, some official visits were announced. Justin Taylor, number 86, 6'6 shooter. Caleb Banks, uh, ranked number 92, a 6'8 power forward. Uh, and Kyle Filipowski, uh, the 56th ranked player in the class, at 6'11 shooter. Rivals, it's a big one. Yes. Uh, really like really like his game. Rivals released some new rankings. Lots of Indiana targets peppered all over the top 100. Jalen Washington from Gary is number 26. Uh, Vincent Iwichuko. Good luck with this one, Coach. <laughs> Iwichuko from Lalamere is 29, and it's clear that Coach Woodson is prioritizing size, athleticism, playmaking, and shooting, which almost every coach does uh, when they start out uh, recruiting each class. But he's not being shy about going after top 100 guys, and I think the staff as well is uh, set to do that. Uh, several uh, IU targets uh, made big jumps. Terry Morin gets a new contract, $5.175 million over six years, plus some performance bonuses. Uh in the context, uh, Gino makes two point eight at uh, Kentucky, and Kim Mulkey makes two point nine uh, per year. UConn. Or at UConn, what did Gino I say? Kentucky, Kentucky, yeah. Um, oh, Gino was at Kentucky, man. That no, would just ruin it. My, my bad there. Uh, but by the way, I just want to I just want to chime in and say, well deserved for Terry Morin. For yes, that, absolutely. That absolutely earned every every bit of that. Um, I one thing I think I, I want to mention before we move on is just that you said that you know Mike Woodson's prioritizing size, athleticism, playmaking, shooting. I mean, those are all things that obviously everybody targets. But I think that he's also targeting NBA skills. I think and guys who could fit into the end, having played in the or coached in the NBA for so long, he's prioritizing guys. I think that he could see succeeding at the next level, as opposed to finding a guy in the one thirties who can do a couple good things for you in college. I think that he's really prioritizing. Hey, now again, we're not going to get all these guys, but he's really going hard after guys that can succeed at the next level. And I think that it might be that he's the kind of guy who can coach that kind of athleticism and that kind of, you know, skill set because he's done it in the NBA. Now, if Indiana is getting high four star, low five star, or even high five star, hey, I'll take one uh, uh, guys, Obviously, the program is going to be successful. and It's going to be good for the, the profile of the program. But I also think that coaches need to find players who fit what they do. Tom Creed brought in shooters. I mean, that, that was, you know, and not defenders, typically. And when he got a defender, the guy looked like an all Big Ten defender, like a, a, a Victor Oladipo or someone like that. Archie Miller tried to bring in well-rounded kind of coaches kids, you know, like guys who could, you know, do have one really good skill and try and develop the other skills. And and, and it all has to do with the comfort level of what a coach can coach and what he's used to coaching. I, as, as a coach, I know you coach, when you see a guy coming through your, your program, maybe down in, in the middle school level and moving up to high school in the JV level, freshman JV level, you notice the kids, you know, you're going to enjoy coaching from an early moment because they have the skills that you like to coach I know that's true. Yeah. I mean, because you're a coach, and that's what every coach is. And so I think he's going after guys who look like people he's coached before. And that that's what stood out to me, uh, just looking at the guys he's coached before and sort of the guys that he's he's bringing in, or at least bringing in for visits and, and prioritizing recruiting. I, I've been so big in the last few years on this idea of closers. And to me, closers are 6'5 to 6'8 who can shoot to three, put the ball on the ground, and get to the hoop, get some uh, get some fouls and some and ones. And you know, Caleb Banks on the list that we had, um, and I, I'm, the name is escaping me, 
uh, Shafino. It's a it's a hyphen name. Uh, it was on inside the hall recruiting board. Uh, those guys just look like they have an ability to do multiple things offensively. And obviously, Indiana needs shooting. Uh, that that's just been well documented. But it does look like the the athleticism, uh, the bigs look like they can handle the ball too uh, and, and shoot. And that's what college basketball to me is is becoming is five guys out there that can play in, in multiple positions. Yes. Well, and here's the thing: it's you can't teach the athleticism. You can develop guys' athleticism a little bit more when they get on campus with flexibility and all of those things. But you can't teach that innate next level ability. You can't teach a vertical leap. You can't teach a speed. You can't teach that otherworldly stuff. And, and I think that Woodson seems like the kind of guy who's more willing to develop guys skill sets than to try and make them a little more athletic to live up to the big 10. And I think that that's a flip for, for, for the Indiana program. And I also think that quite frankly, it's a sign that he's confident he can coach guys up and that his staff, not just him, but his staff can coach guys up. And when you have that, you know, there's a lot of guys who come out of high school and are complete players out of high school who are, they're never going to get that much better. They might get a little quicker, might get a little more vertical, might get this, might get that might become a little better shooter, but are essentially done developing when they hit college. Some of those guys have really successful college careers. They really do. <laughs> But there are a lot of guys, there are more guys who need that development. And we've always said that one of the problems with the Archie Miller era was development, was the fact that they would not, they would get these guys and they wouldn't get that much better on campus. Now, there were exceptions. Al Durham certainly got better when he was on campus incrementally. He wasn't a, a sea change guy. But there are guys who, who did develop, but it was the exception, not the rule. And, and, and I think that development, as much as recruiting rankings, and recruiting rankings do matter, and I, you hear people say, oh, stars, I don't care what, what number of stars is, is he, can he play? In the long run, getting good players and then developing them is the key to winning. Yeah, you're going to get a three-star. Victor Oladipo falls under the radar and then gets developed into a, a number two pick in the draft. That's going to happen, but that's more rare than seeing a guy who's a good player out of high school, uh, a, a four-star, mid-four-star guy, develop into an NBA talent that happens far more often. And that's what you have to aim for. I think you're going to, everyone's going to aim for that five-star guy and try and get him, of course, because it's a program changer. It can be at least, but getting those mid four-star guys and making them into NBA players and making them into great college players, that's your sweet spot of winning a national title right there. And, and I think that, that's the key for Indiana is to get those guys and develop them into stars and, 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 you know, also guys who can help out. And a lot of those guys also can come in early and play and contribute as opposed to some of these three-star guys who have to sit on the bench and basically develop for a year. You know, the interesting thing to me, Ryan, is, is how much the connection to the NBA and coach Woods and knowing what goes on in the NBA is, is really seeming to matter to a lot of these guys because recruiting is about relationships. And anytime you have a new coach in a new area, era um and then they're coming from the nba in new york to develop the relationships with aau coaches and all of that it takes some time and it seems like we're getting on the top eight top five list of some quality young men in a hurry and and i think that that was something that you know i'm really opening my eyes to is that that and then i think he is just an honest broker um 
You know, he's that just, seems to be what everybody's saying. Everyone's yeah. saying it, and and I think you know, in this era where we think a lot of kids need to be, you know, just praised and promised and all of those things, I think there is a a spot for hey, here's what I can do for you. Here's what you need to do to come in and help Indiana win. It's mutually beneficial. If you want to come, here's play, what you're missing. Here's what yeah. we. Here's the hole we can fill. Yeah, yeah, and boy, I think that's needed to fill that gap that Indiana Indiana has had. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this closes. Can Coach Yah close on some of these? Can Coach Hunter close on some of these? I mean, right. obviously it's Coach Woodson has to do the closing, but can they develop those relationships? It's one thing to get on a top five or a top eight list and to get a visit, which yeah. has been tremendous. Uh, it's now uh, getting some of these, which you know Coach Miller missed out on a few of those when we were down to final twos and threes, and that just made all the difference. And so that's been impressive from Coach Woodson in his first two months. One departure from the last staff that I would say too is these guys are casting a very wide net. There are a lot, I, it felt like the last staff, if there was a, a class, I'm just giving you an example here. I don't have, I'm not referring to a specific time, but let's say there was a class of three available. They'd target six guys really hard and just go hard after them. These guys are targeting a ton of people because they know, hey, you get a kid on campus, you may not have him as like your, your, you know, you may not think you have competition, but you get a guy on campus in Bloomington around these coaches, around these players, you might suck them, you know, suck them in and, and, and grab them and hook them. And so why not take that chance instead of narrowing your field of vision? Uh, there are philosophies with that though. It's like, if you spend all your time on these six guys and, and you go full court press and the chances you land three are probably higher, but it's the chances you land three guys are also probably higher if you are also probably really high, if you cast a net of 20 as opposed to six. So if the thing is, is that if you miss on the guys you really want, when you cast that net of six, you're in trouble and, and you wind up having open scholarships and, and your roster construction isn't great. And then you're banking on transfers or maybe a, a spring commitment. And th that's just not a good place to be for a major college basketball program. So I kind of like the idea of bringing as many guys as you're allowed to let them see the campus you know, get them around your coaches. Maybe you wind up liking them more than you thought. Once you get them on campus, maybe they end up liking you more than they thought they would. So I, I think it's a different philosophy and I'm, I'm here for it. I think that it's a good idea to bring as many, get as many eyes on that campus as possible. And Hey, maybe you don't get the guy you're going after, but maybe he's got a teammate that you're going to go back and that kid's going to go back home and talk about what a great time he had. And that kid's going to start thinking, Oh, yeah, no, I, I want to go look at that. I want to go talk to those coaches. Uh, these things all have a trickle-down defense or, or a trickle-down um, effect. So I, I, I think that it's the right decision to go after as many guys as you can at college. One of the things we don't see, too, and, and we need to understand is, is the job the staff does, and, and including – uh, everyone underneath the staff who prepares film and 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 scouting reports and itinerary for for these things it takes a whole organization to go out and recruit and really I, I you know the the three coaches that coach Woodson has hired to be on his staff really seem to be in tune uh, with some some quality players you know I would imagine coach Fife is more in the Midwest and but Coach Yah seems to have that connection from uh, his time in other schools, plus the year and a half he was spent just developing players. And it's about relationships. Uh, you know, it's that way in, our, in my job as an educator. It's that way in coaching, too. You've got to have a little bit of trust. And, boy, it seems like those guys uh, are pretty good at what they do, at least to get uh, these guys considering Indiana. And then, obviously, uh, they need to finish it. So, okay, coming up on uh, the Assembly Call Radio 
Uh, Mike Woodson met with the media, as we mentioned earlier this week. What did we learn? We'll explain our key takeaways next. All that and more coming up on the Assembly Call. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 200 engaging programs online. Praised for its culture of community, students build meaningful professional relationships with faculty who become partners in your success. GCU's online students received over $100 million in scholarships in 2020. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Si tú y tus amigos ordenan de McDonald's juntos, deja que los demás agarren su comida primero. Yo sé, el solo pensar en el olor de las papitas y tener que esperar para meter tu mano en la caja y sacar unas suena loco. Pero por regla, si eres la última persona que sostiene la bolsa, entonces las papitas que se cayeron al fondo de la bolsa son tuyas. La paciencia paga, amigos. Para pa pa pa. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazy during the offseason, and it's even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings that rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be there too. So go to join.assembly.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with – Ryan Phillips and uh, Coach Woodson had um, a, a press conference of about 20, 25 minutes on, on Wednesday, and there's some really uh, solid things. We're going to go over some quotes, share the quotes um, from Coach Woodson, and then uh, get Ryan's thoughts, and I'll share um, as well. On offense, Coach said this, quote, I'm going to try to play openly, offensively, and give a lot of players the latitude to do things with the basketball until they prove me wrong. Ryan, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, we should try and play openly and I've been asking for that for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that, that allowing players to the latitude to, to make moves and to try and do certain things and to try and do things, especially of course, within the system, you know, I don't want guys just freelancing out there like crazy, but you've got to trust your players until they give you a reason not to. I think, and and especially early in the year, because we're going to get a full, uh, assuming so, a full non-conference this year. They're going to have time to work things out and decide, okay, who can really attack the rim in the middle of this set we're going to be in? Who can really pull the trigger on an open three in this set we're in? Um, who can just back down and break a guy down in the post and, and all that stuff? So I think that it's smart. I mean, at what latitude does he give Trace Jackson Davis to shoot threes if Trace is going to work on his shot all offseason? All of those things you find out and, and you let players prove you wrong, you know, and, and I think that that's a smart decision. And I think it's the way this this team needs to go, because 
I felt like everything was the opposite under Archie Miller. I felt it was all very tightly controlled. And I think having more freedom and more openness is going to help these guys. I think that having a tightly controlled system can work really well in certain environments. Uh, but when you're the when you're first starting out at a new school with a bunch of guys who've maybe been locked down a bit much, I think that maybe that that is the exact right way to go to sort of open things up and allow guys to have the freedom to to make mistakes. Because that that was one thing about Archie Miller's system, and I think that we kind of heard from people afterwards that the players are just so f- afraid to make mistakes and to screw up. And it's like, guess what? You're gonna make mistakes. It's about limiting them, but what plays are you going to make? And if you're not making a play because you're afraid you're going to screw it up, that's that. That's just not the place you want to be as a college basketball player. I'm a big proponent of transition offense and shooting the three and spreading the floor. It's just where basketball has evolved. And when you watch the tournament, you see the teams that are doing that the best advancing. Uh, and it's not an automatic uh, win winning situation, but you got to have the talent. Um, and, and there is no offense, Ryan, that automatically wins you basketball games. You know, and I see, you know, everyone likes the four out one in, and there's a lot of names, the pack line. Everyone doesn't like the pack line because Archie lost with the pack line. Well, Virginia wins with the pack line. And, and to understand, you know, Coach Woodson talked about, we'll talk defense here, the, um, but he basically mentioned the main elements of the pack line are good defensive elements. But offense needs to play, be played with confidence. I don't care what you run. Flex, motion, continuity, sets. You have to have the freedom in your players to make plays uh, because that's the, the offense is set to get players in position to make scoring plays. Offense doesn't score. It is to get players in position, and they got to have confidence. And, and I do think having more shooters and more talent allows Indiana to open it up. That's what I'm so excited about. I think the the roster as it was constructed last year was not a good free-flowing open-up offense. Uh, I think you had to try to slow it down a little bit in order to try to be successful. But I think Coach Woodson's come in and trying to correct that with bringing in people to break it down off the off the bounce, to be able to hit kick-out threes, to be able to hit post-isolation. And so I think – uh, I've been clamoring for faster pace. I love the fast break. And, and yeah. if he brings that, then then if that's what he means by playing openly offensively. Um, but the thing I'm most interested in is the confidence level, uh, as you mentioned. I, I think you have to do that. So here's what he said about defense. I'm going to read through uh, this, and there's several takes that we can go. Um, really love this one. And then defensively, we're going to try to be a hard-ass defensive team where we get after people and get stops and then rebound the ball and go try to have fun offensively. That's the kind of the mindset going in. Man, I, I, I've i told Jared this in conversations and people, if I ever get back as a head coach, we're going to work hard on defense and then give uh, kids freedom on offense because the more free you are, the more plays you make. Uh, you got to play defense first to get that license. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think that if you watch videos of of Mike Woodson coaching defense, what he wants is guys to get up into people and be aggressive on the ball. And off the ball, it seems like he just wants awareness of everybody. When you're off the ball, you got to know where the ball is. You got to know where your man is. Those are the two things you really have to know and know where the help is and and the rotation is. If, If somebody helps over, rotates, you need to step down, rotate your position to somebody else. I I think that he wants a tough, hard-nosed defensive team, not necessarily the system being as important as the aggressiveness and 
just the attitude of the guys playing. So whereas I think that Archie Miller's team was built completely around the system, and of course he wanted people to be hard-nosed and all of that as well, but it was more focused on this is the system we run. I think Mike Woodson's defense is going to be more about the individual players stepping up and being more aggressive, tougher, hard-nosed. They're going to you're going to know you played a game against a Mike Woodson defense. They're going to beat you up. They're going to do what they it's just going to be tougher. And and I think that's what he wants. Now, that's more of a nebulous concept than here are, is our system, here are the rules. I don't know what his system what he wants as a quote-unquote system. But I just think he emphasizes toughness and he emphasizes physicality and he emphasizes sort of chasing guys. Do not like give guys easy stuff. Get there before they do, you know, and and um I, I think that's definitely a different mentality, one that Indiana hasn't had for a long time defensively. Here's the thing about that that I, I liked in his next quote, um in in response to the pack line, which everyone was cheering, um it says, I'll say from a defensive standpoint, the ball is first and most important. I don't care if you're playing one, three, one zone, two, three zone press, whatever. You got to stop the ball pack line. Stop the ball. When Indiana won, it's because Rob Fennessy stopped the ball. Cassius Winston beat Michigan state a couple times. You've got to stop the ball. If you don't stop the ball and you're a, a pressure deny guy, team, that guy's going to lay it up every time. Cause you're not in hell. Yeah. Uh, if you are a force baseline guy and you don't stop the ball, then you got to rotate to the baseline and you got to rotate down and there's a dump down for a dunk. So it's 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 not the name of the system that matters. It's the execution. It's just the same as a, as an offense. We get caught up a lot in names of defenses and names of offenses, and it's more about understanding where you're going to get beat. But you got to stop the ball first. Uh, I will. I am concerned. I am not in the college game, a heavy deny passing uh, out in passing lanes, getting steals because the dribble is so strong in the college game that you are going to just get toasted. If you don't have, uh, have some help ready in some way, I don't mind if you force it baseline, which is the old traditional Bob Knight way and, and help over and cover down, or you do the pack line and force middle. But the drive has to be the number one thing and coach Woodson's stopping the drive. Cause it's so prevalent. The pressure defenses, uh, for the listeners out there, in my opinion, were so good against teams that went east and west and ran offenses. So pressure defense is good against sets where the ball wants to go wing to the top to the wing. Pressure defense is good, but boy, uh, Un Brad Underwood brought pressure defense in, deny the wing, and he got torched for two years and went 12 and 17. And he brought in NBA guys, and they said, you got to back off denying all the way outside because people were just driving. Uh, Indiana beat Illinois twice because they could just drive the lane and score. So that's my concern. I don't want to get back to the denying passes all over the place. I think I think basketball has evolved defensively a little bit different. You can be hard-nosed, Ryan, get up in the ball, help aggressively, help the helper. That's another thing that Coach Woodson uh, said. And then you got to put a system in place. This is him, Coach Woodson, quote, there's a breakdown, you got to help there, and then that helper has to help help. And then the next man has to help help too, so it's rotation. If you watch the NBA playoffs right now, it's all about rotations and setting up your rotations. Um, that's got to be aggressive in order to stop the ball from getting in the lane, creating kickouts, creating dump downs. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's all about focus on, you know, not necessarily a system, but focus on those guys around you. And that's why chemistry is so important to defense. And it's so important to 
you know, that's why I think that the the best college basketball teams get old and stay old as far as for the long term. I mean, year to year, you might get a young team that, that makes a run and, and wins a title, but it's because guys get to know each other defensively and offensively in their system. It's it's you start to know, oh, hey, he's going there, so I need to be here. And you know the rhythms and you communicate better. And I think that that is why it's so important is exactly what Mike Woodson said there about, about rotating and helping. It's you get to know exactly where the strengths and weaknesses of everybody on that team are and you find them and you and bought in yeah i lost you there for a little bit and then you, then you came back um you you bring up what he said next is he said uh, quote i i think great defensive teams work as a unit uh, everybody is on a string and when that damn ball goes up everybody is responsible for rebounding so you can go and do what you do uh the other way that's that team chemistry that you talked about and, and that getting old is helping each other out and I think the last few years it was more of where do I need to be um, and a little lack of awareness of team basketball. Te- defense is a team defense um, mentality, and you got to do it physically and you got to do it uh, uh, tough. And I just – it'll be interesting to see, uh, again, this team on the court and, and what that what that looks like. Um, but I, I think, you know, um, I, I think we're going to see – uh, some throwback to some of the old Bob Knight concepts. Um, but, but Coach Woodson, again, is used to the drive in the NBA. He, he knows that's a big game, um, and, and he's just going to have to decide who he helps off and who he doesn't. He, he's well aware of that. Uh, a couple more things on scheduling. I found this interesting. Uh, Coach Woodson said, I'd like to get a team in position first before we char- start chasing the big boys. I mean, I'm not afraid of competition. I want a team that's competitive, and if we can play, we'll get back to the Kentuckys and Kansas teams of that nature before we get to the Big Ten. I'm open for that. What do you read into into that as far as his scheduling for next year? Yeah, I think that it's interesting because he's going to have to get a feel for what his what works in his system and not. And I think that that, you know, figuring out what you need to do, particularly early in the season, because we've seen non-conference schedules bury teams that, that want to get into the NCAA tournament and, you know, get a good seed and make a run. So, may, I mean, I, I get this. It's his first year doing it. He kind of probably wants to see what the landscape is before he makes any long-term plans on on scheduling and get the team together and 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 figure out, you know, how he's going to map this all out. And, and, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think that, you know, he's going to be learning on the job a little bit, and, and that's why it's so incredibly valuable that he has Thad Mata there with him and some assistants who've been, you know, through the wars before to help him out with it. Um, but, I, I yeah, I don't really have an issue with the scheduling questions because, again, it's year one, and it's it's a year where you got to figure your stuff out and then – Maybe you feel more comfortable with what you've got next year and understand the rhythms of it and understand, you know, what games are going to be blowouts, what games you can get some guys in, take some guys out and and then save them up for other games. So it's it's a complicated mess and he's in his first year. So I don't expect him to navigate that perfectly his first year. I expect, you know, to sort of maybe have a an easier time about it this year and then next year start, you know, building up some some better games. 
Yeah, I'm a big believer with the strength of the Big Ten and playing 20 games in the Big Ten. You got 11 non-conference games. You got to play at least five or six against quality uh, power six type conference teams, and then the other five, uh, uh, not 300 level games where you're going to win by 50. Yeah, but yeah. mix them up a little bit. But you need some get right games. We talked about this with. Uh, yep. Rob Doster a little bit, especially early with a, a new coaching staff. You want to get some games. You want to get everyone in there a little bit. You want to get on film so you can start teaching the way you want your uh, system to be applied in games. You can talk all you want in scrimmage. You can talk all you want uh, in practice, but it's so different to get it on film. And, and I think that that's the thing for me, scheduling. you got to schedule enough to get in the tournament. Uh, you can't just schedule 11 uh, easy wins uh, because – the committee will look at that. Uh, but I also think we talked a lot about confidence. This program has been beaten up, and the kids have been beaten up, and it's a new system. We need to get some W's um, and well-earned W's, not just free ones, yeah. uh, on, on the schedule in order. And then the last thing here, he was asked about um, you know, the, um, the current roster and, and recruiting, and he said something about, uh, quote, I know a lot of these players, they think, well, are you going to recruit – over me or on top of me, and I can't tell a kid that I'm not going to recruit on top of him. I'm not going to recruit the best talent available that fits what I'm trying to do and talked about being a competitor. Um, I kind of appreciated that, honestly, because your job as a coach is to win. And you're going to and find the best players. Yeah. Absolutely, Ryan. You Your job is to find, and if someone's not producing after two or three years, we may have a, a rule here at Indiana where you have that four-year you know, deal guaranteed and so forth. And he, he might not be able to, to take away your, I'm not talking about, you know, just pushing kids out, but if you have a better player coming in, he's better as a freshman, you play the best players. Uh, and if you, if you're afraid of that, don't come to Indiana and go somewhere where yep. you can get your minutes and playing time and satisfy what you want. We're going to win for Indiana. Uh, I, I like that. I thought it was a breath of fresh air in being honest because a lot of coaches would skirt, skirt around that question to, to not put out there to, to AAU coaches and high school coaches and parents that, you know, you come to Indiana and we might get a player the next year that's behind you. That could be used negatively uh, in, in negative recruiting. But I think that's just a breath of fresh air, and that's some of the, the honesty that we're hearing from people. You come here, here's what you need to do to play, here's what you need to do to help Indiana win, and I can help you do that and then get to your goals. Um, I have no problem with uh, the over-recruiting over part of, of basketball. No, it's honesty. And, and quite frankly, you know, the kids, they just need to worry about themselves. And if they get themselves right and they play right, you're not going to have to worry about people coming in over the top of you, you know, and, and here's the other thing. It's the nature of the beast in college basketball that teams are going to recruit the best talent. They're going to go after the best talent, regardless of position. And, you know, especially with these days when everybody is so much more positionless, I mean, if you get a center one year and you get a center the next, the chances are one of those guys is going to be able to step out on the floor, just the way nature of basketball is now and play some on the perimeter and, and rotate it out. And also with rotations and things like that, more guys are playing. So I, I do think that you got to go as a coach. It's your job to go get the best players and put together the most talent on that roster that you can. It has to fit together, but the most talent you can and make it work. And that's not his job to baby players or bring them along. Now, I think that there is some coaching that needs to go on there to make sure that that guy reach, reaches his potential and all that. But you also ha have a essentially a duty to the rest of the team to bring the best players and, and load it up with the best talent. 
Yeah, and, and it's just roster management. The portal is going to change the way things are going on in college yep. basketball, and you never know who's going to stay and who's going to go. And uh, if you if you coach to make people happy, you'll end up making a lot of people unhappy because it's just yep. impossible. You got to make decisions on an eight, nine, ten man rotation. You're going to leave somebody out. You know the portal's sitting there at the end of the year. You've got to be ready to fill that. Whether you bring people out of the portal or you bring people in from high school, you got to constantly be recruiting right now. And if you're not, you're not really running um uh, uh, the program um the, the correct way the right way yeah coming up in our third segment we'll do some subscriber shout outs and answer your questions so stick around with us here on the assembly call This looks cool. Workouts while you work in. Free trial. Sure, I'll click here. My birthday for a matching playlist. That's fun. It's easy to be unsafe online. My mother's made a name for a water bottle? Sweet. Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection all in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25% or more off your first year at Norton.com news. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing! in here Carson Edwards here and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford I'm still never going to listen to the assembly call go Celtics Celtics got quite the uh, you know burden to get out of the hole here but I hope those two are finding a way to help the Celtics win uh, I'm the coach, uh, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips, and it's segment three, which can only mean one thing. Subscriber shout-out, subscriber shout-out. The first subscriber shout-out comes to us from Chicago. It's T.C. Malik. T.C.'s favorite Hoosier is better than advertised. It's Max Biefeld. His assembly call leader is, quote, Ryan, then Jared. That seems like a very misguided choice, but we do appreciate that nonetheless. Jared wrote that, didn't he? Jared wrote that. That that wasn't me. Yeah, that was Jared. And for his special acknowledgement, TC said, thanks for keeping us entertained these past few years. Thanks, TC. We appreciate it. Our second subscriber shout-out comes to us from Detroit, Michigan. It's Nathan Herbert. Uh, for his favorite Hoosier, Nathan said, I'll have to pick just one. It could, it would be Yogi. I never felt better about how a game was going than when the ball was in Yogi's hands. His senior speech was a Hall of Fame moment, and his family seemed like terrific people too. For his assembly call leader, Nathan wrote, I'm temperamentally most similar to Ryan. My inclination is to rant, and I get a lot of joy out of decompressing with the community after a big game, but Jared is my leader. The positivity and balance that he brings to the discussion are reflective of the traits I aspire to emphasize in myself, and Nathan has a special... That is, wait, wait, that is a misguided choice. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Absolutely. And Nathan has a special (laughs) acknowledgement. 
Uh, I'd shout out Jeff Goodman and the National Basketball Writers who think that the Indiana fan base is too negative. They've obviously not spent enough time with the Assembly Call community. Y'all make me proud to be a Hoosier. Thank you, TC and Nathan. We appreciate it. And now it's time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join uh, at assemblycall.com. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. So uh, Jay says, um, when things get back to normal, what's the first thing you will do when you set foot in Bloomington? Wow, that's a good one. I've got kind of a tie here. I um, When I go with my family, I always visit the Union we go find, you know, go to the bookstore and, and find stuff. And I spent a ton of time at the union as a college kid because the journalism school was right next door. Now it's since moved over to Franklin Hall, but it used to be in the Ernie Pyle Hall right out in front of the union. So between classes, I would just go chill in the union. I'd go find places to go and study or, you know, not study, most likely take a nap. But um, when I go back, I'm going to Nick's. I'm going to Nick's. I'm going to go sit somewhere and just... I don't know, a burger, maybe some chicken strips, some uh, some biz fries. I don't know, but I'm going to Nick's. That is my that's my go. That's my home away from home, man. When I when I lived in Indiana after graduating, I was working in Columbus uh, at the Columbus Republic and also working from home on my own website. Uh, I would just go sit at Nick's for lunch because they had Wi-Fi back when not everyone had Wi-Fi at their restaurant. And I would just go sit there for like three hours, got to know the staff. They all liked me shockingly. Um, and I, you know, for six years, that was my like three times a week. I'd be in Nick's all afternoon, just, you know, drinking a water and iced tea and having lunch and, and hanging out. That is a home away from home for me. I'm happy every time I walk in the front door. Yeah. That's, um, Mrs. Tonsoni and I are taking a, a Saturday night to Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, a trip to Bloomington here in a week um, just because it's back to normal. We're going to go to all the spots. We're going to go to Buffaloes. Uh, we're going to uh, hit Little Zagreb's for an anniversary dinner. Uh, we're going to stay at the Graduate nice. right there on Kirkwood so we can end up uh, at Nick's. And, uh, yeah, we're ready to get back to Bloomington. That's that's the first thing. And then I, I, I can't wait. Uh, the first home football game is 7.30 at night, uh, which means incredibly long amount Somebody- of time for tailgating someone's gonna be fairly lubricated for that game and it's uh, not me yeah i i have to i i have a new plan of you know one beverage adult beverage and two <laughs> waters for this year uh, as i need to represent the assembly call a little bit better than the last tailgate that <laughs> that everyone keeps uh bringing back up but yeah jay we're one of the one of the one of the most fun threads, uh, text threads I've ever gotten was during that game from a certain man who's also on this podcast right now. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jay, that was not mediocre. Uh, you need to get back to form. That was an outstanding question. We all miss Bloomington, uh, and we all miss things being, um, you know, back to normal, and it's getting there. All right. Uh, Glenn says, with the addition of Michael Durr to the roster, how likely are we to see Logan Duncan redshirt this season? You know, we're not going to know until they're on campus and working out this fall, I think. I mean, they'll they'll be on campus this summer working out, but I don't think we'll have any inclination as to how that's going to go this fall. I do still think, you know, with Jerome Hunter going, 
uh, who could swing down and play the four and all that. I, I do think they're a little thin up front to redshirt him. I I don't think it's going to be a plan going into redshirt him if they don't need him early on and don't play him a ton, and they decide, eh, you know what, we we could probably get by without him. They might. But I don't think anybody's going to go in thinking this guy's a red shirt. This guy's a red. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to be wide open. I, it's man, it's hard to really gauge that. We're also going to see what Dirk can do and and, and how uh, much he's going to play, how active he's going to be. I think it'll be it'll be you know certainly in the rotation, solidly to begin with. But we'll see. And and, and the thing about Duncan is he's a guy who's improving tremendously over the last couple of years. And so he might step on campus, get playing against these top level guys and earn his way into the rotation. We don't know. It's probably too far away out to Glenn. I'm sorry to answer this question. I don't think they're planning on redshirting anybody. And I think that we will see maybe somebody will, you know, the other guys step up and somebody puts themselves in that situation uh, in the, in the fall. I don't mind um, using red shirts. I think Villanova and some other programs either. do it really well. Uh, it has to be the right situation. It has to be communicated extremely well yep. with the player and the family, and that's another way to win the weight. You have to present them with a plan. Like yes. This is why we're red shirting yes. you. Yeah. Uh, and, and he would fit that plan if you did have enough rotation, right? If, you, um, if someone else could play that four um, when, when race maybe could play some five and some other things like that. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on last week's show, but we'll get your take on it. Are there some NCAA basketball rules that need to be changed or modified? The charge rule, hundred percent, need, needs to be changed. I, I don't, and I don't know exactly what it should be, but not what it is now. And and, and I also think that the call of the charge with the head behind and the, you, they need to change that as well. Because if you look cool doing it, as as refs think they do, and they emphasize and they over, it's like the strikeout call. You know, they ring guys up because they want to show off, you know, and, and subconsciously at least. So I the charge call needs to be fixed. I mean, whatever it is, because nobody here's the thing. Nobody, even the officials, knows what the official rule is. Nobody. And, and they can't explain it to you why one play is one way and one play is another. So I think that needs to be altered. Um, that's the big one. I, I know there's been some talk about, you know, goaltending and things like that, maybe going to the international rules with goaltending. And I could see that. Um, and I would, I would also expand to six fouls. Uh, that would be my, uh, instead of five, I think guys are too athletic, too big. And I think there are too many rules about, um, you know, freedom of movement and stuff like that. that you're seeing guys get fouls too quickly nowadays. Cause they're too athletic. I mean, they're, you seeing guys like bump into each other incidentally, and they're calling for a foul. I, I think that, that moving to six fouls would be, would be interesting. I don't, I know I'm old fashioned, but I don't want to go to quarters. I love that bas- college basketball is different. It has halves. But I think those are the three major ones that people are talking about. Um, the international goaltending, that's just kind of a me thing. I kind of like it. I like guys going up on the rim and getting the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think that the uh, the six fouls and, and the charge are the big ones for me, and and I'd like to stay with halves. I, uh, I, I agree with you on the charge. Uh, I was kind of half and half on the six fouls thing um, until I read that somebody thought it increased fouling. Um, and slowed the game down when they tried it a few years back. So that that would be a maybe concern, tested concern in the NIT yeah. one year or something. Maybe te- um, you know do a test with it. I I do would I would like to to um, see the the free throws change from one on one to two shots and maybe if we're not going to quarters reset. I agree with that too. Reset yeah. at ten minutes and get rid of the one on one. 
you shouldn't get rewarded for uh, a negative play defensively. Yeah. Um, you, that should be a bigger penalty if you choose to uh, apply that in your defensive scheme late. Um, you should get two free throws um, or if you foul too much. Uh, that's one thing. I want to see a new um, time limits on reviews. Um, while I, I know we have it and we want to get the thing right, the reviews at the end of the games are just killing basketball. Uh, and, and too many timeouts, uh, free timeouts are given, and now they want to take timeouts away from coaching. Um, if you just limit some of that stuff, I think the game would, would speed up. Yeah. Um, it's fair. And we've Bob asked, why is NCAA men's the only basketball team in halves instead of quarters? It's probably because of money and TV timeouts is the number one reason. They've already contact or the contracts are already set for a certain number of commercials at the designated times. I, I think that's why that there's hesitancy um, there. Um, oh. I cut off this person's name when I copied it, so I apologize for not having your name uh, from the community. But um, your thoughts on uh, Jerome's departure from the program? Um, does this give any indication of how Coach Woodson's going to run the program? Uh, you haven't been on since that that that's happened. Your thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think it's an indication. I think it's just an indication of he brought in some some other people. Jerome. Uh, I think it's a good fit with Xavier, first of all, for Jerome. I think that's a place he'll get coached, and I think that it's a good fit. It's closer to home. Uh, I am sad to see Jerome go. I think he's a good kid, and it's really unfortunate, you know, the stuff he dealt with injury-wise and all that. But I also think that there's sort of a full-speed-ahead thing here at Indiana with with Woodson and trying to turn this around quickly, and maybe some guys were going to get left in the dust a little bit, and I think that he was a candidate for that to happen. Um but, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, – I, I think it works out for everybody. It could be the, the kind of thing that works out for everybody. And I, and I wish him well, and I certainly will root for Jerome. I thought he's a good kid. That, that's another thing where I thought he was as honest as he could be without sharing details. And, in fact, he said – I don't want to get into the details, but he said they just didn't mix. And sometimes when you take over a program as a coach, uh, you don't see eye to eye uh, with certain players, and sometimes you got to move on from those players. Uh, that had played in the previous uh, uh, years. And I just think that's the situation, and, and we'll move forward. Kevin uh, Llewellyn asked this, it seems like we have a good mix of players who can play multiple positions, point guards, two and threes, threes and fours, fours and fives. From what you have seen on film, where do you see our biggest hole for our offense right now, Ryan? Jeez, I don't know. Um Probably on the wing, and and I think that there's there's some decent wing talent, but I also think that you don't have really have an established wing scorer right now, and I think that that's what's going to be interesting moving forward to see who steps up into that role. And um, I think there's talent. I just don't yes. think we have an established one. I, I said last week the four. Um, the four needs to be stretched the floor. We, we've had too many spacing uh, issues sure. um, uh, with this program for the four years. We, we need to. Um, we need to space the floor. Uh, and so I'm concerned about the four making enough shots. Um, maybe uh cop goes down there to play some to, to get that uh, offensive spacing. Kevin also asked, do you see us playing any hard-nosed full-court press defense during a game? It seems in the past we only tried it at the end of the game when we were behind and we usually didn't perform very well. Uh, probably not a full-court press. There might be a token pressure sort of to you know harass somebody coming up the floor, but – um, I, I don't, I don't know if I see full court press. Oh, you want to know another rule they could change since there's a shot clock now? No backcourt rule. 
or no, or no, uh, no, uh, ten uh clock on the back, uh, the 10 second. There's no need for that anymore. Um, uh, yeah. because you've got a shot clock, so you're forcing them to get up the court anyway. So that could be one. And I know they've changed that in some levels of basketball. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I don't know if we would go full court press, but maybe, you know, I, I don't think that's something that they don't really run press in the NBA. Uh, it's more of just a, hey, pick up your man further up the court. I think that there could be some of that, but I don't think it'll be something we we plan around or go with. Yeah, I, I don't. If you're going to be a pressing team, you're going to that's going to be your ma- mantra from the start of, the, you know, the game to the end, uh, like an Arkansas and uh, some of the, the havocs uh, with um, Shaka Smart at VCU. I don't, I don't see Woodson doing that. I, I think he'll use some pressures, maybe to eat some uh, shot clock, uh, those kinds of things. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know any full court um, pressure to it. And again, it just depends on his mentality. Um, some coaches like to get out and press and, and be pressure defense, and they don't mind if they give up points. Um, me, particularly, I don't like scoring. I like <laughs> If you score on me, it, it ticks me off. So uh, I'm a little more cautious uh, in approach. We'll, we'll see what Coach Woodson has there. Uh, Phil Davis says, what one skill in particular – uh, what one skill in particular player are you looking to see for IU to be successful this year? Example, Rob being more aggressive with the ball or race shooting the three, a player and a skill um, that you're looking uh, to see uh, be successful this year. Race shooting the three is, is really good. I mean, that, that's a good, if, if, as you said, the stretch four, if race can step out and hit a jumper, I just, I want to see the whole team shooting better. That like, I, you know, we're I know this, that's not what the question is, but the whole team across the board starting to shoot better. I think, but I think number one for this team, number one is Christian Lander hitting jump shots. That is number one. If Christian Lander can hit a jump shot, it's going to make people have to guard him on the perimeter where he is quick enough to go around them, get into the paint, and either finish, which I think he's really good, going to be good at, finish, or the defense draws to him, he dishes. I think Christian Lander sh- hit, hitting jump shots, number one for Indiana. Uh the first two are, are were my first two. Race has got to hit the three if he's going to play the four. Uh, whoever plays the four has to hit the three or at least be a threat from the three, as we talked about uh, before. And I agree with you on Lander. I will also add Trace Jackson Davis. What's his face up or face face up basketball yeah, game? Can, game? Can he hit fifteen footers? Can he hit some threes? Just enough. I don't want him taking an awful lot, uh, but just enough uh, to throw some different wrinkles at teams other than just having him score uh, in the low post and. Um, J.D. DeFries says, uh, what player are you most interested in seeing playing for a Woodson coach team? That's interesting. Um, it, there's there's a lot of ways you could go here. Um, you could say Rob because maybe opening up the floor a little bit will give him more room to operate. Xavier Johnson will be interesting because he's a down, more of a downhill player. Parker Stewart because we're going to emphasize shooting. I mean, there's so many ways you can go here. I do think it's going to be interesting to see race and, and how they use him instead of using the two bigs down low. How do you use race Thompson in a system that isn't going to be having him, you know, post with his back to the basket? How do you use him? How do you get the best out of him? Because I'm sorry, like race needs to play on both ends of the floor for this team because of what the intangibles he provides of energy going to get the ball, his rebounding, his ability to defend all over the floor his ability to step out on the floor and at least look competent, controlling, maybe not shooting, but but commanding the ball. 
he's going to have to play. So how does he play in this system? That's one thing I'm I'm really interested in seeing how that works out. And also the other the obvious answer is we as we touched on, and I know I'm I'm using the same players back to back, but hey, I didn't order these questions. Uh, is Christian Lander with an offense that's more open and free? Does he get to freelance more? Does he get to do what he's best at? Are we looking at you know high school AAU Christian Lander, or is it more like freshman year Christian Lander? What what do we see here? And uh, so those are the two things I'm I'm most interested about. Obviously the transfers in. We don't know their games as well. We, we, you know, we can break them down on film, but we have a really good feel for the guys who are already here. And those are the two guys who are already here that I really want to see. And I also, I also want to see what they do with Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, is he out on the floor more or is he going to be, you know, stapled to the post until he can step out and maybe shoot a jumper or are they going to run a lot of pick and roll with him? Cause that's what they do in the NBA. They're going to run a lot of pick and roll with him, uh, pick and pop. If he can hit a jumper. It's just going to be interesting how he utilizes all three of those guys differently than the previous regime. For me, I agree with all of, all of those, and there's so so much that I'm interested in seeing from this Coach Woodson-led team. For me, it's Parker Stewart, the most interesting. I want to see if he can be a knockdown 35 40% shooter. The closer he gets to 40%, the better Indiana's going to be. We haven't had that kind of pure shooter for a while, um, and it'd be good to, to see him – uh, just a favorite of mine, not even knowing him very well, but what he went through with trying to play for his dad and, and having sons that, that I, I have coached at various levels uh, and, and then having um, the loss of his dad. Uh, there, there's no one that I'm rooting for. Easy guy to root for, yeah. Then Parker Stewart to come out and start banging four or five threes and just having the national audience uh, talking about how smooth his game is after after taking some time out. So um, that's it. We're done. No more questions. That'll do it uh, for this week's episode uh, of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. That's a wrap. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, Coach, it, somebody was mentioning in the chat, and I, I covered high school basketball in Indiana forever. Uh, God, how many years did I cover? Six? About six years. They got to put a shot clock in, right? In high school basketball. Eventually, yes. Um, how long um, it is. As a defensive-minded coach, I'd love it. Um, because yeah. we, we can guard you. Uh, and we have long possessions. We, we talk as a staff sometimes how to increase the pace, not because our offense, but because our defenses forces teams to really be selective. And we don't give up a lot of stuff quickly. Yeah, and so the points, the the number of offensive opportunities are lower because teams take longer possessions. Well, if we could speed them up with the clock, um, yeah. Now, do we have the offensive firepower to do that? Do we have any late shot clock ball screen guys? Maybe not. So yeah, maybe it'll even out, and we won't be worth a darn. But yeah, I, I'd I'd like to see. Um,
Yeah, because look, that. I I graduated from high school in '98, and I think in '96 they put in a shot clock in California. It was 35 seconds, which is a little long, but it was the first time they did it. And I, I have to interrupt I, because people are asking for this, and then we can continue this discussion. Sure. So there you go, chat mob. There's your AC After Dark theme music. Rejected, rejected Bond theme music songs. Yes. Uh, so anyway, we're talking shot clock in, in high school. <laughs> really going to get back on track after that? Um, yeah, I, I just think that it's, it, yeah, it's, uh, they need to have it. I, I do. I think that I don't love the the stall, the Indiana stall. I don't love that offense. I hated it in high school. People would do it out here. You know, the four corners or just hold the ball for, you know, you get, you get a two point lead and they just hold it for the rest of the half. I, I, I don't like that. Uh, I've never liked it. I think that it's not really the point of basketball. The point of basketball is competition and you're not really competing at that point. I know coaches and players, they have to do it because that's just the smart play, but you're forcing them into a situation where they have to do it. I don't, I don't love that. Um, you you know you're making a situation where it could be a one nothing game or a two nothing game, and I just don't think that's basketball. One, um, my my issue is with the execution of a shot clock. Uh, when you go to a variety of high schools and who can hit the shot clock correctly and not correctly and reset after rebound. Yeah, uh, you run into that because but, it's hard. Know. It's hard to just get good people in in gyms to start and stop the clock uh but um your your stall ball uh one of my greatest coaching moments uh we were we were in one of my first years coaching at northfield high school we were four and 17 playing the number one ranked team in the state who was undefeated and i sold the kids once we got the draw on holding the ball and it was uh we were down five to three at the end of the first quarter we were down 11 to 7 at halftime and we held the ball for five and a half minutes at the end of the third down 16 to 11 all i wanted to do is get it into the fourth quarter and they uh trapped us on an elbow catch and we threw to the corner and a kid hit the three and it was 16 to 14 and the crowd into the fourth going into the fourth uh, we were four and four and something and against the number one team in the state, we were only down two. We ended up getting beat by sixteen once we <laughs> once we started playing. Once but, you opened the offense you know, up, once a we opened the offense up a little bit. But boy, I was being called names, um, getting yelled at by the opposing, uh, and the other coach wouldn't come out. So we just said we're going to try to get to the fourth quarter where something crazy could maybe happen. But um, yeah, um, I, I agree with it, you in theory. I, yeah. I would. I, I think it's time. Um, 
whether it's 30 or 35, I might see a longer one, you know, just to yeah, make sure the sure. teams don't don't hold it um, type of deal. But uh, I think it's got to got to come in. So, yep. Well, that was All it right. for AC After Dark, everybody. Let's yeah, do that the, wasn't... the outro song. It's <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I got the. We don't have to play it again. Should I believe in the high? It's getting hard to keep track of all these. Uh, uh, way too many. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way too many. But uh, anyway. So everyone, um, that'll do it for tonight. Thank you for being with us. I will be off for a few weeks. Um, nothing major, uh, but um, I do have some. Um, health issues with uh, here in the family that we need to take care of a surgery coming up. So I'm going to take a couple weeks off to take care of my family. Uh, so if you're wondering why I am uh, radio silent uh, for a while, I might be checking in. I might join the chat mob, uh, but I got to take care of uh, Mrs. Tonsoni here for the next couple weeks. Uh, she's my number one and will always be my number one. And so um, she's like my number three. So well, good. I'm I glad. Mean, you know, so, uh, it's, I'm going to miss uh, doing the shows, uh, but everyone else, uh, the, the regulars, the originals will be here to take care, um, to take care of you guys until I come back in mid-June. So until then, I will, I will try to stay up to date in the community as much as possible. Appreciate uh, all of you very much and looking forward to uh, seeing everyone at the tailgates this, uh, this fall and getting back here in June. So that'll do it. Best coach. Love you. All right. We'll see you, man. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever. Brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or for details. Chloe here with Cross Country Mortgage. Against all odds, CCM has just closed the Garcia's dream home in 21 days. I was able to speak with their top loan officer before they went into the locker room, and he said it was a matter of dedication. Ultimately, they leaned on their experience as a team. They've been here before. They've done all types of loans. Simply put, CCM loan officers know how to close as a team for your dream home. Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to getting it done. Back to you in the studio. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 3029, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal housing opportunity.